Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. I don't know what your week has been like, <coughs> but um, some of us it's been challenging. For some people I know it's been difficult. Um, and then a lot of people are away. A lot of people are on holiday. A lot of people are <coughs> enjoying living the good life. And, uh, and some of us need to work. Some of us need to be here. Maybe you feel like that this morning. But uh, I wanted to just encourage you this morning. And um, I really felt <coughs> that we should focus on the overflow. And um, it was interesting that Jerusha had a corporate word which she didn't remind herself, herself of. So Jerusha, if you would please <coughs> just say your word that you had in pre-service. Old age. No, it's not that old yet. Um, I can't believe I forgot this because it's so <laughs> cool. We were in pre-service meeting and uh, I just saw this magnificent dam with the sluice gates open and it was full and it was gushing out and the water was just gushing out and we just really felt that the, the Holy Spirit is saying that is what is available for all of us. That He is always there and we we are always open to receiving him um yeah so that was just a huge encouragement awesome thank you why i want her to to share that is also encourages me because uh, i've prepared in the week and uh, and, I, and i was ready to share and then i always just check in like as we go towards a sunday like god is this what you want to share because you know you can share the same notes and you can preach different messages if you've ever shared in life group or something like that, you'd know. If you've come to the Afrikaans and the English service on the same day, you'll know that too. Um, so, like God, we've prepared. Well, I say we, because me, God, the Holy Spirit, we've prepared. Um, but what is, what, is, what is your focus? What is it that the people need? What is it that, 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 that you guys need this morning? And I really felt just God speak about overflow. And, um, and, and then Jerusha pops up with a word like that about these loose gates and the, the dam that's open. And then, you know what that does? It stirs faith. Because then it confirms that I heard. And it also confirms that she heard. And, uh, and then what is happening? Together we are united in our faith. Together we are stronger. That's why Paul says, I long to come to you. Because then we will be, will be mutually beneficial. Now I don't know about you, but a lot of traveling ministers, it's not really mutually beneficial. Because they just come and they give you a word and they go. So except if you give them a big offering, I don't know what the mutual benefit is. But for us as church... Where we're every week saying you, the same people and, and the similar speakers. Sorry for you. I'm going to be here again next week. Um, it means that we get together. We need to, to celebrate together. And now we get to sort of dance with the Spirit together. And if you're missing out on that, it's, it's just, sorry, but it's on you. Because there's a lot of us who's joining this dance. And what it really means is it's the focus and it's the listening. And I want to preach about overflow but you cannot preach on overflow unless you speak of the inflow. Because the only way to reach overflow is to have a, a, a greater inflow. But Peter, you just said we're complete. You just said all these things. Yes, I did. But it's a focus thing. So you need to overflow. Not that you need to fill your spirit. Your spirit is full. But you need to overflow in your body, your mind, from your spirit. And that's really the, the, that's the key to the Christian life. That's the key to ministry. 
I don't know if you, some of you want to be ministers. You want to, you want to maybe stand up here or you want to live a life of purpose. You want to live an adventure. You want to live ministry. You want to do more. Just get more. You want to give more, get more. Amen? That's the only part. Finances. If you really want to give into the church, God gives seed to the sower. Yes, the word is the seed, but there's a multiplication that happens and it's not after you've given. It's before you give or while you give so you can give more. You see, there's a little difference, but we don't get more because we gave more. We get more to give more. Because God is not into manipulation. So you cannot bend His arm. Sorry for you. But it's good to give. It will help you because where your treasure is, there what will be? Your heart. So you see how it's about finances, how it's about focus, how it's about time, how it's about inflow. So if you treasure the spiritual life and then your, your, your heart is there because you treasure that, now all of a sudden you're going to overflow. You're going to live that. But in this world we get busy and we get, we get caught up. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's sort of busy again, like after COVID. It's sort of where we were 2020, before March, say 2019. Life is happening. You can see in the church, life is happening. You can see there's sport again. People are traveling. People are going overseas. And, and I, I think of do these things, and I, I'm like, we are so easily adaptable. Which is often good, but not always. You think about the drought. We had two-minute showers. We said we did. Yeah, we tried. I tried. Yeah. But some, some Sundays, we worked so hard, I had to take three showers. At Rennish, there was I mean, otherwise, you would not come to church, I promise you. So I just trusted God will send the rain, amen, because I needed to shower. We worked hard. We, 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 we sweated. But we, we just move on so quickly. And it's good in a sense, but there are great things that we committed to to ourselves. We said, we're not going to be as busy again. We never want to live in that place again. We want to spend more time with our family again. We want to focus. We want to, we want to, we want to prioritize God. I think it's Lorenzo who said it was so easy in COVID to read the Word to get, because you had time. And I just feel like there's an unction on the Holy Spirit to say, hey guys, just remember these things. It, was, it wasn't God, it wasn't good, but it wasn't all bad because we had focus. And I just feel like a bell ring this morning and say, hey guys, don't just go back to the way it was. Like there's some good things that we wanted to, to, to lock down on. We want to create overflow. We want to keep focus. We want to prioritize family. We want to, we want to live a godly life. And I said it on the 10th of July... 2022. So, so now you've heard it. Like I said to, to my new friend in Solaris Pass last week, I said, the thing is now I've said it, so now it's on you. But I want to help you. I want to pastor you. So as a pastor, I mean, I love to give deep teachings. And you, you probably know it. And for some of you, it's maybe too much on a Sunday morning. But it's so that I don't want you to go hungry. And why I teach on things like allegory that we will do this morning is because I want you to see in the Word that you are part of God's eternal plan. That what God promised 4,000 years ago or more to Abraham was, is now came to fulfillment in you. That's why I get excited about these things. That's why I, I go deep into the Word. That's why I love the Old Testament. Because it confirms my identity in the eternal plan and purpose of God. 
And I trust that it does the same for you. So that's, I don't want you to learn that you know more Bible. I want you to understand your spiritual identity, nature, power, and then hopefully generate overflow so that we can change a world who's dying, hungry, needy. So I, I just felt to share that this morning. And then I felt on, on overflow. And John 10, 10, in the Passion Translation, says, A thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, or the more than you expect life. Life in its fullness until you overflow. And I like the translation there because it's not about abundant life. But I don't know if you read that banner what you think. Because I haven't seen any Ferraris outside. No so you're going to come back until we see a Ferrari outside. I saw a Ferrari yesterday in Seapoint. And I mean, he just had to make a noise. And it was like 60 meters before the, the red light. I was like, what's the purpose? Show off. That's the purpose. The abundant life is the overflowing life. It is actually, in fact, the spiritual life. But it's more than that. It is the Holy Spirit who comes and indwells you, lives in you, and now wants to overflow. And that's really always been God's plan. And the more I minister, the more I speak to people, the more I counsel people, the more I study the Word, it really just comes back to two things. Are you living carnally or are you living spiritually? Are you going to live eternally in the Spirit or are you living carnally in the flesh? And I'm not saying I'm there. I'm just saying the tree of knowledge of good and evil is carnality and the tree of life is spirituality. It's been like that before Abraham. Abraham had two sons. The one was conceived carnally, Hagar, Ishmael. And the other one was con- conceived through a spiritual promise, the forthcoming of a spiritual promise, which was Sarah and, and, and Isaac. And now Galatians goes deep into this. Romans 4 goes deep into this. Hebrews 11 speaks about this. So when I see things like that, I'm like, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to say something. Someone with me. Like there's a reason that the New Testament is full of Abraham. Because Abraham is sort of a bedrock, a foundation stone. Not Abraham the person, but the narrative, the story, the covenant, the promise. And we need to understand what that is because it is not riches. I've said it a few times, but I'll say it again. Abraham got rich because he sold his wife. Twice. Twice. He made a franchise business out of his marriage. Ladies... If you ever wanted to marry an entrepreneur, there you have it. But there's a price to pay. So every time they send him away, the, the Pharaoh at first, and then Abimelech, they, they send her away with donkeys, with cattle, with things. Now, I mean, that should, your theology should just wobble a little bit there if you're into performance and into legalism. You sell the love of your life, the covenant promise you made, and you marriage, and you leave with more money. So what I'll put that on his head quickly is saying, having more money doesn't mean you're holy. Having more money doesn't mean your faith is strong. Having more money means having more money. There's many, there's, there's many ways to get more money. Some of them legal, some of them not so legal. Some of them will get you into trouble. Some of them will get you into trouble with your wife. Ask Abraham. <laughs> you see, Abraham never lied. He said, she's my sister. Which was half true. But uh, he said it for his own benefit. 
But let's not go down that rabbit hole. What is it that we're about? We're about the Spirit. How do we know it? Isaiah 12 and verse 3 says, With triumphant joy, you will drink deeply from the wells of salvation. So Jesus shows up in John 5 and he says, Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. He says to the woman at the well, what does he say to her? He says, if you, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. So ask yourself this morning, are you thirsty or not? This is between you and God. Are you thirsty or not? If you are thirsty, it might be that you either are not born again. You came to the right place. We can help you with that. You can receive of that well, that, that living water, the overflowing life, the sweetness. But otherwise, it, if you're thirsty, it might mean that you're just not drawing from the water that you've got. So it means that God's not going to give you more because where's the well now? It's in you. But we get busy. We live this life and, and we don't draw from the water of the well that Isaiah 12 prophesied about that's now inside of us. And even Jesus said, like, out of your bellies, out of your inner man will do what? Flow rivers of living water. So inflow is not so much getting more, it is more realizing what you've got. Let's call it inflow just to, to make sense of the logic. But it's actually drawing out. It's actually focusing on the Holy Spirit who's now living on the inside of you. So I know, I know whether I've learned and I'm growing in that understanding of whether I'm living in the overflow or in deficit. When it's busy, when things go wrong, when, when work is busy, when life gets busy, then I can actually feel like my, I'm not drawing. Because why? I don't see the flow. So what I do then is I don't go and prepare a message for Sunday. I don't start there. I go prepare the messenger. Because I don't need notes. I need the Spirit. I can teach notes and that will be good, but I can teach the Holy Spirit and that will be amazing. I can let the Holy Spirit come into me. No. Uh, that's wrong. The Holy Spirit's already in me. But I can let the Holy Spirit come out of His well. Meaning out of the spirit realm. And now into my soul. Into my thinking. Into my mouth. Which by the way is carnal. There's some meat here. But I'm using now what is carnal. To convey to you what is spiritual. I'm drawing from the wells of salvation. How do we do that? By praying in tongues. By teaching. Listening to good teaching. By getting my nose into the word. By reading the Bible. By spending time with God. By focusing. Sometimes it's by silence. Often I, I, I listen to a lot of teaching in the car, but sometimes I just switch off everything. And I just say, God, it's me and you now. Or I meditate in those moments on what I've listened to, what I've learned, because I've realized in this podcast nation that we live in, you can always listen to more. There's always another teaching and it all looks great. It's all great titles. It's online courses. It's Bible studies. We can go onto YouTube and it's going gonna, it's gonna to infiltrate your life if you let it. But James says, don't be hearers of the word only, be doers of it. Because life, you only get wet when you draw from the well. 
You see, the well is there. The source is in us, but, but we want to get wet with it. So it means we need to focus and we need to draw from it and, and we need to pull from that. So the fountains or the wells or the springs or the streams is, is the salvation life of Jesus that's present in us now, the believers. Through Christ, God's sons and daughters are living wells of salvation, containers bringing the water of life to others. You know, Mary and Martha, the one was doing a lot of work for Jesus. And the one was sitting at his feet. I struggle with that. I did the, my strengths finder the other day. I don't know if you know what that is, but I'm an achiever. Four out of my top five strengths is getting things done. So I'm teaching you this because it doesn't come natural to me. But Sunday mornings, we get things done quickly. And as soon as we can, literally as soon as we can, we get out of this room and we go stand in a circle and we start praying. Because whether the speaker squeaks is, is not the main deal. It's whether we're pulling and drawing from, from the spirit within us. Because an experience will always trump a teaching. But make sure your experience is in line with the Word of God. So you need to know the Word so that when you experience the Holy Spirit, then that you know that that, that is in line with the truth. Because otherwise people fall over, churches split and people start new ministries. I've been meditating on taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm like, Lord, I think it's Psalm 78 that speaks about that the old things are dark sayings. It's poetic. It's, it's metaphoric. It's allegory. It's deep. So I'm like, now we, all of a sudden we can meditate on the Old Testament like never before. And what I've been thinking about is, 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 is really, I saw this picture just in meditation and it was so funny. And I saw a ring with a diamond. And I saw a ring with a jelly dot. I was like, Holy Spirit, you, you find me tonight. It was last night, actually. I said, what does it mean? And he said, well, it's Esau and Jacob. The one is now. I want to have that sweet. Carnal, instant satisfaction. And a lot of people live there. They only taste. It's consumption. But if you're married or you're engaged... You haven't eaten your ring. I don't know if you've tasted it or licked it. Maybe, in your, maybe ladies, in your, in your spare, quiet time, somewhere. I won't, I won't tell. I don't ask. But you've, you've seen it. You've experienced it. And it is not going away. That is the spirit life. I look into it. It's precious. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's shining. It's, it's lasting. When, when, they, didn't say, they say diamonds are forever. I'm like, that's a funny way how the Holy Spirit tried to convey something to me and say a lot of people are living for the jelly tots. While I'm wanting you to live with the diamonds in life. I don't want you to just do another course that's going to clean up your carnality or deal with something that you're struggling with in the physical. God does mind about that. We do courses on marriage. But if you've been there, you know it was a Bible study. It wasn't anything else. We do courses on way how people we struggle with finances. But if you've come to us, it's, it's a Bible study. It's a Holy Spirit. We, we invite, invite the Holy Spirit. You know, um, the Bible speaks about 
a lot of people are sick and even die prematurely in Corinthians 11. Why? It says because they do not consider the Lord's body. Now people think that's about bread and cup. It's not. Because who's the Lord's body? We are. If, if I started there, you would all be on board. Are we the Lord's body? Yes, we're the Lord's body. We are part of the Lord's body. Amen. Some of are the nostril hair. Some of are the... No, we're all the Lord's body. Okay. So what does it mean then? Some people die. Some people don't get their healing. Some people die prematurely. Why? Because they do not consider... They don't look at the diamonds that is in the person next to you. They don't draw from the life-giving spirit that is in your brother, your believing brother, sister, wife, husband, church family member. They don't consider it because either we run to doctors and there's nothing wrong with that or we want to deal with it or we, we, we want someone to come from overseas. Because we do not consider what's in the room currently. And you know what's in the room? It's not what's in me. Don't wait for a touch or a prayer from me. Because it says, consider the Lord's body. Which is each and every one of us. So how do we live there? Isn't that the, the next good question? is we need to taste and see what's in us. We need to start cherishing what we've got. Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with what you have. How much of Christianity today is about getting more? Just asking. So what about Hebrews 13 verse 5? Oh no, that's uncomfortable. That's not faith. No, 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 no. That is faith. That is the epitome of faith because that says all that you need is the Spirit who is with you who will never leave you, never forsake you. But are you living for jelly tots and more jelly tots? Or are we drawing from the Spirit life? Are we cherishing the spiritual above the carnal? That's all it comes down to. And you know what? I, I, I love to quote that song and I always get it wrong. But it says the things of this world grow strangely dim where in the eyes of His glory, glorious His Spirit and His grace. So I'm not saying we don't need what we need. Not at all. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I need things. I mean, we recently like, bills have come from everywhere. And I've realized, and I've done it now twice, and I'm quite proud of myself, where instead of going into panic, I say, Hawkeye, just wait. Just wait. God, you knew about this. I didn't. I didn't see it coming. You think you have some insurances in place and then you don't. Or whatever the, the situation is. The other day I went with my car. I'm so responsible, you know. I'm adulting. And I went to rotate the tires because I didn't want to replace the tires soon. So I thought I'd rather spend the 900 rand now 
And then I'll, I'll have tires for a bit longer. So I drop the car off, I go to work, and I get this dreaded phone call. You know that phone call. You know when you take your car in for a service, you don't want to answer your phone that day. So I wasn't expecting this. I was like, the tires are, are good. And I get that phone call and say, sir, we check these tires, and even though they're still good trade, they are nine years old, and your insurance will not be paying if anything happens because of the age of the tires. You know that feeling. <laughs> it's like the weight like you sit in your chair but you feel like you're sitting deeper into it right? you don't know why but it's just and then the next question is you, you need to ask them now what, what's his card you know like and it was it was a it was a it was a big amount but I've realized God knew that God wasn't surprised I was God wasn't shocked. Maybe surprise is a nice thing. Shocked. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, things happen. Like, you get tax money. Or, I mean, God has used the tax man often in my life. Amen? I just resigned my job, I remember, and we got a tax payout. I was like, wow. We, in Grace Life, we have a saying, betal die keizer wat die keizer toekom, maar niks meer nie. <laughs> so you want to you be where you should be but you don't want to pay more than you should so that's how we, we deal with it that's why we are PBO registered and, and all those things because we, we pay what we should but we don't want to pay more than we should what I'm telling you is we need to learn to not live in that shocked state even though there's a physical carnal now need there might be a crisis but God knew about it God is not caught of God's. The Spirit knew about it. The Spirit knows what we need before we ask. So we need to just sit back and say, God, your word says that you're going to take care of this. And that doesn't mean we go on holiday now. Hey, I've got new tires. Now we can go for it. No. That means, God, how do you want to do this? God, how are we going to do this? God, is there anything I should be doing? You see, the, how are you going to do it? How are we going to do it? What should I do? There's a flow. Draw from the Spirit into the natural. Genesis 1 gives it to us 100%. So the Spirit of God was what? Hovering. So there was a spiritual reality. And then God spoke. And what came forth? Materialism. Materi. The world. The cosmos as we know it. So from a spiritual perspective, some things in the natural are birth. There was a promise to Abraham, and out of that promise, a spiritual promise, and if you read Galatians, it's beautiful, it says, the promise according to the Spirit came true. How did it come true? Sarah got pregnant. Spiritual promise, carnal manifestation. But there is now more to that promise, and that's what we're trying to get to. And if we really want to live spiritually, we're not going to just look at Abraham with a lot of donkeys. We want to really go into what is the promise of Abraham? What is the blessing of Abraham? Because we are now blessed with believing Abraham. And I still don't see Ferraris in the parking lot. Does that mean the blessing is not there? No. The blessing is the spiritual. We don't need Ferraris. We might want them. But we don't need that. We don't need it to feel better about ourselves or about God. 
But we need the Spirit because, again, Hebrews 13.5, be content with what you've got. Now it's easy. Some people live high up in the mountains. And some people live in Solaris Pass. It's the same promise. You can't preach Hebrews 13.5 to some people. It's for everyone. Because the Spirit is for everyone. And now we need to be content with what we've got. That doesn't mean settle. It is the opposite. It means activate. Because what you've got is amazing. What you've got is the Spirit of God. What you've got is what all the Old Testament heroes of faith, as we call them, was looking forward. Was prophesying about. But now Hebrews 11 verse 39 says, now we live in the fullness of that. You know, David got home one day and his home wasn't there. Some Midianites or someone, Philistines, someone came in and took everything, including all the wives, the women and the children. David had a few mighty men. And you think that when things go bad, you have someone to fall back on. But they considered stoning David. Lacquer, huh? Stunk for dunk if you've ever seen it. You see, because people are fickle. And that's why the word says, don't trust princes. But we can trust the king. Who is the spirit now living in us? But what does David do? David has lost everything in the material world. Even his closest allies, his friends, his, his army. But David stirs himself up in the Lord. So he didn't have what we've got. Not to the fullness and the extent that we do. But for him, what he had was enough. But the word says so clearly that David looked forward to a day where sin will not be imputed. He was a prophet. And what did he prophesy? He prophesied Christ. He prophesied the Lord Jesus. He prophesied the Spirit. He prophesied what we and I, we live in. Let's go to Hebrews 11 verse 9. Hebrews 11 verse 9. We're looking at Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Interesting. That when... Jesus met the woman, the Samaritan woman, or Samaritan woman at the well. Whose well was it? The well of Jacob. And what was her question? Should we worship here? Or should we worship there in Jerusalem by the temple? What did Jesus do? He explained Isaiah 12. He explained the well of salvation. He said those that worship God should worship Him. Spirit and truth. He says it's not about the carnal well. Neither is it about the tabernacle. Now, after last week when we set up tent and the tent blew away, and I realized why David wanted to build a temple. The tabernacle is too much work, amen? We think it's such a holy man and such a great endeavor. It was hard work to set up that tent, I'm sure. See, David was a bit of a businessman and an innovator as well. So he wanted to build something lasting. But the tabernacle still is, is the tabernacle. But now it says, Hebrews 11, 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. 
as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now you can read that and you can say, yes, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Amen. What's your point? If you believe that Abraham's promise was Isaac, then you have a problem with this verse. That's the point I want to make. What I'm showing you is that the promise to Abraham was so much more than Isaac. Because Isaac and Isaac's son was heirs with him of the same promise. So the promise had to be more than Abraham, you're going to have a son. Because now the son has a promise. What's that promise? I am the promise. No, you're an heir of the promise. So the promise continues. And now Galatians 3 explains it to us rather good. And it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of what? The Spirit. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob was heirs of what promise? The promise of the Spirit. You see, that's how you study the Bible. You don't, you let the Bible interpret the Bible. Now it says, through faith. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not to seeds as of many, but as of one, which isn't Isaac, but which is Christ. Remember, I'm trying to show you that you fit in to what was promised to Abraham. That's what I'm trying to, if you, if you go away with that understanding this morning, then I've conveyed my message. Because what was promised to Abraham wasn't Isaac. It was the spirit in Isaac. No. It was the spirit that would come through the lineage of Isaac, which is Christ Jesus. Now if you read on, which we, we tend to do every week, verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He does not say to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Daughter, can you get us the last verse of Galatians 3 there, please? You see, if we understand this, we understand the Bible from Genesis to Galatians. In fact, then you understand the Bible. You understand God. No, you can't understand God. Now Jesus says, I make things clear to you because you're no longer servants, but friends. In, Gal- in Genesis, Jesus sa- uh, not Jesus, God says, will I hide what I'm doing from Abraham? And he's not talking about Isaac. He's talking about God's eternal global plan. He says, no, I won't hide it. Because Abraham is my friend. So God shows us what Abraham has done. And you know what the Bible calls Abraham? A prophet. A prophet. We think prophecy starts being after the Torah. No, it says to Abimelech, send this man's wife back. And let him pray for you because he is a prophet. What is he prophesying? Christ. He's prophesying what is going to come through his seed. He's prophesying the promise. To whom? Firstly, to his son. He takes Isaac up with him to the mountain and there's something that's going to be offered in his place. And he says to Isaac, I'm sure, Isaac, this is God's promise. This story is going to become true in the spiritual There's going to be a seed, which is not you, but it's going to come through you. And He's going to be the eternal offering, not just for now, but for all sins forever. 
You know that mountain experience was before the law. So where does the law fit in? Read Galatians 4. You know. And if you are Christ, then you are... Who's Christ? My hands up. I'm Christ. I'm so glad I'm Christ. Yes, the best decision I've made ever in my life. So, now I am Abraham's seed. And what? Is according to the promise. Erfgename means it's now mine. What is mine? What was promised? What was promised? Galatians 14, 3, 14, 15, 16. The Holy Spirit. Someone here getting that you're part of God's plan. Someone here getting that you are now fulfilling the promise of God that He made 4,000 years ago to a man called Abraham in a desert somewhere close to Israel. And that you and I in South Africa, on the southernmost point of Africa, sit here today and we have the privilege of, I want to say, helping God fulfill that promise. And you think you're here for no reason. You think you're here by chance. You think you're just going about life. You are part of God's eternal destiny. His eternal address. The promise that He made to Abraham. You are part of it. The well of Jacob, we'll hopefully look at that next week. Wasn't that. It's not water, it's not carnal. This is nice, thank you for it, Jerusalem. I've got abundance, I've got two. But the well of Jacob is the Spirit. Yes, there was a well, because the people could not yet receive the Spirit, because Christ has not yet come. Thank you, John 16, for explaining that to us. Hebrews 11, verse 10. And Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham wasn't looking forward to Israel. What was he looking forward to? Spirit. Yes, they had to live in Israel so Christ could be born somewhere in what was called Nazareth so that the Spirit could be poured out on someone which was His disciples. But if you read Galatians, and we spoke about it two weeks ago, the Israel of today is not the sons of Isaac. They are in fact the sons of Ishmael. In the carnal, they're the sons of Isaac. In the spiritual, they're the sons of Ishmael. You see, that's how the Bible has deeper meaning. Because it says that if you're under law in bondage, now I have to explain that very quickly. If you're in law in bondage, you are born in the spiritual realm according to Hagar. And then it says, which is the Jerusalem of today which lives in bondage. But if you're born of the Spirit, your mother is Sarah, which is the Jerusalem above, which you are now part of. You're going to have to study Galatians a bit, you realize. That brings us to this. 
Abraham wasn't waiting for Israel or Canaan. He was dreaming about something much bigger. He was dreaming of a city where God is the builder and the maker, which is the Spirit. New Living Translation says, Abram was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Hebrews 12, verse 22 says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. A heavenly Jerusalem. That's what Abraham was dreaming of. He was dreaming of the church. The Jerusalem from above. Again, are you in church? I'm not talking about this building, because tomorrow this is a business conference. Are you part of the body of Christ? The assembly of just men made perfect. I am. I don't feel like it always. But I am. So now I need to draw from the truth, the reality that I'm perfect, that I'm just, that I'm complete, that I'm part of God's plan. Not just to get people into Israel, no, to get people into a heavenly reality which is spiritual, which is John 3. Then Jesus says to Nicodemus, you are the teacher of teachers. But you don't know these things. I promise you Nicodemus could teach you about Abraham. I'm very sure he could teach you about Isaac and Jacob and the exile out of Egypt and the, land, the promised land and probably about Nehemiah and probably about Solomon and David and, and all of that. He says, but you don't know what the Bible is talking about. What is the Bible talking about, Peter? It is talking about the birth from above, the spiritual reality that was always the plan of God that you and I are now fulfilling. So you don't need to get on a plane and go walk around Jerusalem. The only reason we should go there is to go minister. To go evangelize. To go explain to them what Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael is all about. Because those are the tools that we've now got to reach out into this area. The next part of my note says message. So that was the introduction. Let's just see what we can pick from here. Genesis 17, verse 19. Genesis 17 and verse 19. It says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. You see, Jesus didn't just show up in Matthew. Jesus was promised in Genesis. Now Galatians says there was a law, but that law could not disannul the promise, means make of none effect, the promise which was given 400 years prior. What is the promise? Genesis 17. That there's an everlasting covenant. And as a church body worldwide, we are still trying to figure out the law. So we are living in this window of time between Moses and Jesus. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to demolish the law, but to fulfill it. And the prophets, by the way, which is the Old Testament writings, 
if you look at the Torah and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. But also, the law, the Levitical system of sacrifice, I've come to fulfill it. The saying, sorry system, I've come to fulfill it. The bringing your offerings. Now, Hebrews says it so beautifully. It says that, that, that men realized. In our, in our Tuesday morning men's Bible study, we're going through Hebrews. We started in the beginning of the year. And we are now in Hebrews 10. So we've been, we've been digging deep. But what it really says, I believe, is that people knew that the offerings of bulls and goats wasn't enough. They just, inherently, they knew it. Like, my sins, my, my, it just didn't cut the mustard, as they say. It just didn't deal with the guilt, the consciousness, the, the unrighteousness. You know that feeling when you just feel you don't have any peace. You, you can say sorry. You, can, you wish you could go back and change things and undo things. But whatever you do, it's just not, it's just not enough. You can wash and wash and wash. You know, like we did Macbeth and Matric. And Shakespeare explained that in a way that like they, they're washing the blood from their hands, but you can never wash away the blood really. The sin consciousness. And what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, is that inherently they knew that this is not enough. How did they know it? They brought the offering and they left not feeling great. So they, it sort of just polished the surface. But... There was one sacrifice of the body of Christ. Now for all sin, for all eternity, forever. And me and you, we know that a bull and a goat is less than what we could give. Who's with me? If, we're not, if you're not with me, we've got more work. We can save the rhinos one day, but let's save people first. Amen? What we have when we bring a bull or a goat or we say sorry, it's less in value. So it can never really restore my position. It can never say sorry enough. Husbands, you know, you buy flowers, but it's the best you can do, but it's not, it's not really that. You know, you wish you could go back and undo some things. I mean, in life you're there. Like, you've been there, I've been there. But if there's an offering... That is worth more than I am. If that offering is the Son of God. If that offering came down from heaven. Then maybe then the payment of my sins is greater than the expense. And now what happens is I can actually begin to believe that just maybe my sins has been paid for. Not because the offering of bulls and goats with the Bible says with those same sacrifices actually just brought back the remembrance of our sin nature. But now there's a new offer, a once and for all offer, the Son of God, who came down and lived in a body like mine and yours, not in the body of a donkey or a goat or a dove like the Old Testament offerings, but like me. But he's worth more than me. But he was paid on my behalf. In my part. He took my place. And then I sit back and I say, Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. And that is what Hebrews is all about. 
It is not about what you can do, how much you can say sorry, what offerings you can bring, but it is about the once and for all offering, the promise of the Spirit who came and lived in a body, died as a man, but is risen. And the word says the last enemy is the enemy of death. And guess what? He's defeated that enemy. John, I had a word for you in worship. And I just felt God say that... um, He's called you to rebuild and restore. He's called you to rebuild and restore. Isaiah 61.4. I got that for you. They said they will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. Isaiah 61.4. And I just feel with that. Can I just pray for you? Father, we just thank you for this man. We thank you for the calling on his life. We thank you that... Yeah, what you're about to do in his life is, is going to be so foundational. It's going to be so strengthening in the name of Jesus. And I even see when storms come, you are currently digging deep foundations. And you're building a family on a house that will not be taken over. A house built on a rock will stand, even if the storm comes. And I just feel that's not an effort for you, but it's just to keep on digging for the rock. Just enjoy time with Jesus. And these things are going to flow over you. You're going to change a generation. And that generation will change generations to come. And it's not going to be out of your effort, but you're just digging for the rock and standing on the rock. Amen. You see, John, it was promised in, in Abraham that God wants to live in you. And now he does. I can name each and every one of you that it was promised to Abraham that God wants to live in you, John. In you, John. Here's another job. Let's find another job. <laughs> God wants to live in you. God's always wanted to live in you. God has a dream. We've got the teaching, four series or whatever. Let's, let's get into what God's dream is all about. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. Romans 9, and we'll close with this. Romans 9, verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Read the rest because you need to get the context. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. You see a theme? You see, I actually want us to get into our hard copy Bibles because then we'll see words on the screen, but we'll realize we're in Galatians. Now we're in Genesis. Now we're in Romans. So we, we sort of, we'll go on this journey more and we'll see that the promise is, is the same promise. And now it's explained to us in the New Testament, but it was promised in the Old and it came to fulfillment in Christ. So the Word says we need to rightly divide the Word of Truth. So there's a foundation stone, which is the Torah. This is the five books. Then we have the, the prophecies, which is trying to sort of take what is there foundational and sort of cast it on a screen po- poetically or prophetically. And then we have Christ who says these things were just shadows, but this is the substance. The shadow, that's not real words, by the way. It's actually a, a contrasting shadow. But the real words is now the word made flesh. And the Word made flesh now came down and now He says, 
the birds, the doves, the donkeys. Or they didn't offer donkeys because they weren't clean animals, but the, the, the rams, the whatever, the lambs, rams and the lambs, they were all just shadows. But now there's substance. So now we read Jesus fulfilling these promises and Luke 4.18, we looked at last week, he says, Isaiah 61 is now fulfilled. And he says, I come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I come to fulfill. So now he's bringing substance to shadows. And now he goes away. But the story doesn't stop there. Because he says in John 16, it's better if I go away. Because if I go away, then I'll pour out my spirit. You see, the, 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 the dream of God was not for Jesus to die on the cross. That's a, that's a big statement. God's dream was not for Jesus to die on the cross. God's dream was for Christ to pour out His Spirit so He can live in you. The cross was just a way to get there. Otherwise you have a problem with a good father. Just saying. So the children of promise are counted as seed. Verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand. Don't fall off your horse there. God's election is spiritual. So you need to interpret this verse spiritually. It says, not of works. There you have it but of him that calls. And what did he say? The elder shall serve the younger. So did God prefer Jacob over Esau? Esau preferred the carnal over the spiritual. Esau wanted the lengthy soap more than the covenant promise. Esau Lived for Gentiles. While well, Jacob believed the promise. And we can take it in another way is that we are first carnal before we are spiritual. But now we are invited to let our younger man, our spirit man, serve our older man. Or we're going to let the carnal submit to and serve the spiritual. And that is God's plan. That is God's call. That is God's election, if you will. That is God's predestination. He predestined for your spirit to be over your flesh. He predestined for Him to come and live in us. But now we have these bodies to serve a spiritual purpose. Someone get something there. Does that help you? It helps me a lot. God had a plan. He had a predestined plan. And His predestined plan was for His Spirit to come live in you. Does it happen automatically? Does it happen for everyone? No. Why? Because just like Jacob and Esau had to choose, so do we. So do everyone around us. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where a lot of the church are living for Gentiles. 
They're living on a carnal level. I'm not saying they're not going to heaven. I'm just saying they're focusing carnally. But I want to take that pressure off of you. Because I see that I deal with those people often. And I can see the pressure of carnal performance weighing down on you. And I want to free you from that so that you can live freely. Because those who have the Son will be free indeed. It doesn't say those who have the Son will do a million courses and then be free. It says those who have the Son should draw from that well, should understand the freedom, should understand where you fit in in God's plan, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and then start to live in that freedom. And then Romans 5.17 beautifully says, then we will even reign in this life. It means we will supersede the problems we face carnally. Load shedding, petrol prices, jobs, whatever. I'm not making little of that. I'm just saying we need to supersede that in a spiritual focus. And then those things grow strangely dim. And when, they, when they're smaller, it's easier to deal with them. But when they're big, then we stand in this cold face and we don't know which way to go. So I hope you get my heart this morning. Let's focus more and more on the spiritual. Look into the eyes of Jesus like Peter walking on water. Walking on water. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that. But it was as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. As soon as he started looking at the problems, he went down with the problems. And beautifully, Hebrews 12 goes on and says, Now we have our eyes fixed on him. The author, the originator, the starter, the finisher of what? Faith. Of what we believe. So let us hold fast on to that. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.